<laughs> All right. Well, uh, conversation number four with Bob and Bonnie. Um, yeah, we, we're both smiling pretty big right now because we've uh, been chatting it up for the last 30 minutes. I wanted to push the record button a couple of times, but we waited till we were good and ready. Um, and like I like to do with these, if you're if you've pushed the button today because you're needing something of a quick um, in the nature of more of a devotional type of a feeling and you're like, I hope that something is said that calms me, that brings peace, that, that settles my spirit. Um, I offer these words to you and that came to me um, from from the from the uh, the divine speaking um, over you. And it's a little imagination um, exercise. So go with me here before we jump into the conversation. And perhaps this might be exactly what you're needing to hear today very quickly. So my friend, imagine yourself on a warm summer evening before a calm, clear pond. The moon is full, the stars are shining, whippoorwills are whipper-pulling, willing, however you say that, and I am with you. Now, do you know how to float on water? For the most part, you do absolutely nothing, at which point, I can hold you at the surface in the palm of my hand. It's simply a matter of physics, the laws of time and space and your natural state. Are you with me? Okay, now you'll have to trust me, but it's the same when it comes to floating in wealth and abundance, in health and harmony, in friends and laughter. These are your natural state, your default settings the givens in this great adventure. These are where true balance is found. They can be yours without strenuous effort. You don't even have to visualize them. Just stop the argument that claims you're without them. Surrender in the struggle that presumes that you lack anything. Come out from the fort that has kept you so safe and follow your heart with abandon. You can breathe now, a deep breath. And so with that imagery, um, beautiful. I offer that. Um, it, it it was it kind of meant something to me today as well as moved through. So often we just need to stop the struggle. We just need to assume the truth is that we don't lack any good thing. We are already supplied and to and to trust that so today we're going to continue um, in our conversation about righteousness and probably get into a little bit of covenant because um our whole our whole narrative in our tradition with the scriptures that uh, we use as our as our texts they're all based in covenant it's all about covenant and so if you understand the words that are used and that they are covenant terms is kind of like decoding the scriptures and you can find these these words and they immediately will 
um, allow you to see, oh yeah, that's a covenant term. That's a covenant term. And that's what righteousness is, is a covenant term. And so I know that we want to go into a little bit more explanation about what that is, what that means. And, and so I'm looking forward to that. But first, I wonder, um, you know, Jesus, okay. <laughs> I wish you could see Bob's face. Jesus, as Christians, do we, and a lot of people ask me this, and even a lot of people make declarative statements to me as if they think that I do this. And I know where I stand and I believe it's in alignment with our scriptures and with my own lived experience. But I'm curious what Bob is going to say, and he doesn't know what I'm going to ask. But is, <laughs> is, uh, is it accurate? Like you're out at the coffee shop, you're out in the marketplace, we're, we're talking with other people of faith, we're interacting with people of different spiritual disciplines and different faiths. And someone says to me, well, you're a Christian, so you worship Jesus. And I always take pause at that because I think I know what they mean. And I always want to not shame them. But that's not exactly, I would not say that about myself. I would not say that I worship Jesus. And I hope you don't like stop the podcast, but I, you know, it's an interesting thing to consider. And then how, you know, another, another person this week said, well, you know, we pray in the name of Jesus. And I said, well, that, that's fine. And and I'm just interested in what you mean by that. Does that mean that at the end of some statement or some supplication that you tag on almost like a hashtag in Jesus name, and then you expect that to be a magic wand over it? Maybe this is like an abracadabra, like in the name of Jesus. And so somehow special forces go into, into action to make that happen. I don't believe that. So I, um, again, am not, am not, uh, when I say I'm praying in the name of Jesus, I have a, and an, an, if I do say those words, I have a positionality that I am thinking of when I say it. Um, so those two things, I just wanted to see Bob, where, where you're at. If someone came up to you and said, well, you're a Christian, so you worship Jesus. It's like, Okay, well, then they're going to get a three hour talk is what I think they're going to get. But let's see what you because I, I I know you, I know you're going to probably say, well, first of all, we have to understand what we mean when we say worship, you know, and so that's where I would probably start to begin with. But for the sake of time, just those two statements, what, what are your thoughts on that? Okay, so I already forgot the second one, but don't worry, because I don't want to ask it. We'll get back to it. <laughs> I know I heard it. Then. Hashtag in the name of Jesus. So, so worship, yeah. I I would actually, for simplicity's sake, if somebody said you're Christian, so you worship Jesus, and I would say, well, yeah, that's true. I might 
if I was, depending on the person, depending on how the spirit was leading, I might be provocative and say, I also worship you. Right. Right. Um, right. <laughs> in, the, in, in a very similar way to a lot of people would say, no mistake. Yeah. Which means the divine in me recognizes the divine in you. In, is you know a, one lit, one literal way that people say that that's a, a translation of namaste um uh so now i've probably just offended a bunch of people and there's a bunch of people probably just turned it off because i said that that i would worship a person but when you understand what worship means right. the word comes from worth ship worth as in something of value ship to to um, participate along with others, like you'd think of a ship. I mean, again, that's it, it's not exactly what the word, uh, you know, like, like an exact transliteration, strict literal uh, epistemology of that word, but um, or etymology. I mean, um, but uh, that really is, though, from a biblical standpoint, worship is. To extol, like they, those words that you hear together, like let us extol the Lord together. Well, extolling something means to speak highly of the weighty and beautiful and majestic and valuable and appreciated and um, whatever, you know, in a good sense, um, attributes of, in most cases, you think of a deity. That's where you worship. But just like, you know, we use it in our culture. He really worships her. He worships the ground she walks on. Why? Because he finds her to him. He finds, like if it's about a guy that is worshiping a girl, he he worships the ground she walks on. Well, um, because he finds her something that um, he he appreciates. He So he lets her know, I appreciate and we would call it romantic sayings and and or even romantic gestures like he buys her flowers why because he's not trying to well it not i'm not saying if, if it's early in the relationship he may be trying to turn her head he may be trying to purchase her her um change her her mind about what she deems as valuable and he's trying to raise her estimation of himself, but the the way that he's going about it is to say, I want you to think, maybe think a little more about me because I certainly think about you. And so much so that I'm willing to take some of the sweat, sweat labor that I've done and go and buy you something as, as perishable as a flower, just to say, I know these are expensive, but they are, it is a, 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 a cultural token of saying, I esteem you. I find you valuable to me i would like to spend more time um when i'm in your presence i i want to be a better person i i want to i i i want to be more like you in many cases i find your um patience with people something i lack and that is something that i find attractive because i want to learn how do you how are you doing that how do you treat you know that Joe Blow in the office that nobody likes, but you're always kind and patient to him. I I've always thought I would like to be 
uh, a person like that, but I've never met a person like that. And you are a person like that. So those are things, again, they are tradition or, or uh, again, what is in the intention is that it is a response. Worthship is a response. It is not intended to be in some religions and in some cultures and in many churches, unfortunately, it has become another sin offering. But as we, we keep going back to in, in Cain, when God comes to Cain before he kills his brother and says, hey, sin is crouching at your door. But again, the word there in the Hebrew means a sin offering. You are trying to purchase my, my attitude towards you. You're trying to, you believe that my attitude towards you is negative and you're trying to change it to be a positive one. But I already am all about you. That's why I'm here. Look, I'm coming to you again, as we might say in our culture, proactively to let you know how much I care about you. I'm seeing something that is, in your attitude, I'm letting you know that you need to think about this. You're trying to do things to change my mind about you. You don't need to, sweetheart. I already adore you. Mm -hmm. I see you as valuable. I created you with value. And so when we worship God, we are saying, God, I see you working in my life bringing me blessings i see you bringing peace in my in my misery i see and feel you bringing health when i am when when i'm lifted up because i look to you and you bring me i'm loved and that restores a peace in me and that peace slows my heart and that slowing of my heart releases good endorphins and those good endorphins bring a peace that is beyond all understanding, but it's it's part of the way that you work. And I want you to know, I recognize it. I recognize you as the source of these things. I am, appreciate them so much. I do not take them for granted. And I want to tell you how much you mean to me. That's worship. I just love that. Whole we can do that right with people. We do that every yeah, we do, we do that with people and we appreciate them and it's it, appreciating and, and gratitude. They're a little bit different because it's like appreciating is ascribing value. It's ascribe, It's like I'm increasing almost your, va your value to yourself and to me. My perception of you, the more I speak positively and think about you positively, increases the, the estimation of your value and worth to me and to you. And so we we elevate our relationship because we speak and exhort and exhort one another. Right. Well we of. call it exhortation. Exactly. Exhortation. Scriptures talk about that. It's a gift. It's a, one of you know, the gifts, a gift of exhortation. The one difference I would say with us, with worshiping God is God, his value isn't increased by our worship because he is God. He is the all value. Good. The value I think is increased. In, that's what I was trying us. to say like in us. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why we're again, then, then it comes to the ship part. We, we are worth um, extolling the worth and of God to us in the presence of a ship of others, a fellow oh, in a ship. Yeah. yeah. And in doing that, that is part of the exahomologous of the church that we are, we are directly to God 
and to each other, like it, like the scripture says, come, come on, let's extol the Lord together. together. All together, let's raise our hands. Let us do these things together. And so what, what that happens is imagine if you're someone who, who maybe has never been to a service, maybe you're new to the faith. So you come and you see all these people and you hear them, what the things that they're saying and giving praise to God and extolling him for the things, the rich things that he does in their lives. And they're like, oh, that's something you believe that God does on your back. Oh, I was not aware of that. Oh, oh. And they, and it begins to open their mind to seeing that things that happen in their life and things that, that especially peace that they have in their heart and turmoil and things like that, they, they suddenly realize, oh, that actually is God giving me peace in those moments. Wow. That's, I mean, how valuable is that? That's, I mean, people go out and get medicines and, and herbs and all these things to try and bring that about. And God himself through the Holy Spirit promises that. We can literally say, Father, in this moment, if I'm feeling turmoil, I, as David did, you know, oh, my soul, you will yet extol the Lord. You will calm, you will calm the down. <laughs> silence yourself. Be yeah. silenced because I am going to move. the. I'm going to change the energy in the room. I'm going to move it from looking at my negatives and recognize, as Paul said, that's why he actually got to where he was excited when he had turmoil because he's like, I know that when turmoil comes in, the spirit within uh, equalizes. Again, the phrase, the, the Hebrew or the, the Greek words are when flipsis, flipsis is this outer pressure. Like when you're in a, in a ship and you're in a, in a, in a underwater ship and you're in a, this hole and it goes down, flipsis is this pressure. It's a word that was used like pressure from all sides, exactly mm -hmm. like, you know, like a little submarine and the pressure's coming from all sides. That's Ellipsis, this word when he says when various trials and temptations, when when these problems of life come, he's pressed the Holy Spirit from within equalizes that pressure so mm. that I am not crushed, I am not overcome, I am not overwhelmed, I am, I am, I I do not implode, but I somehow the 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 more troubles come as I recognize and keep my eyes on you, Father, your spirit fills me to overflowing, and I actually grow in the midst of the pressure, it actually becomes a blessing to me. The same as if, if you were not working out and you didn't understand that why this person just came, your parents hired this guy and kept giving you weights and you kept just dropping to the ground and going, what are you doing? This is horrible. And he's like, no, see, if you will resist this weight, you will find every day Hey, you will become stronger and stronger and I'll be able to give you more and more weight and you will find your joints and your blood and your blood pressure and your mind and your chemicals and your endorphins and your all your joints will, will be actually strengthened. Every area of your life will be strengthened. And then Paul says like that to Timothy, he says, though bodily exercise doeth a little good. Many, it actually, there's, it's a many good, but the Holy Spirit, holy, holy cow, the, the, the word of God is is far greater a um, a uh, resource for increasing yeah. in your life uh, in every area. It touches everything that's important. I love to you. I love that, and uh, I I just want to slow us down just a little bit. Um, yep, because it does seem you know 
it might seem and sound to some that we're saying, you know, that, well, you don't need herbs or you don't need these supplements or you don't need your medicines or whatever. You just need to look to God and pray or to say something or, or to say words, um, kind of like we were talking about, like hashtag in the name of Jesus, you know, and that that the peace of God would would just surpass all your understanding as we do approach these situations. And I, I just always want to, um, as a disclaimer, say, look, we, we get the both end of the situation. We, we get that all herbs and, and the leaves of the trees and the, the herbs of the field are, are given for the healing of the nations. And so we understand, and we're on the same page that it it's, it's kind of a both. It's a, let, let us speak over ourselves and raise the frequency and let the Holy Spirit inhabit the, the praises and the atmosphere, the temple, as we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And also uh, we're going to take our supplements and take, and take whatever, um, you know, you're on um, is, is just between it's, it's having your faith between you and God and, and doing what has to work. And so we're not, yeah, I mean, I think people know that, but I always just want to say it because it, it, you know, when I was a younger person, the first 25 years of my life, when I would hear people talk like this, it sounded in a way like a get rich quick scheme. It sounded in a way like a get healthy quick, that if I had just prayed right or said it properly or confessed it appropriately, then somehow some something would happen for me that I was always trying to achieve that, achieve, achieve that in that way. And I have, have learned that the Lord really does work with us on coping skills, you know, and breathing deeply, you know, can really help calm that vagus nerve <laughs> and, you know, slowing one's speech down can, can calm us, can calm the heart rate. And that's that, you know, inhaling, you know, deeply the Holy Spirit, the breath of God and, and remembering and reminding ourselves that we are connected, that we are not without, that we are not in lack, that, that we do not have to sub submit to anxiety and, and have, but having those skills, we have so many beautiful teachers today that teach us how to calm our bodies and calm our minds and get good sleep and get good, good food and I do always share, because I do talk about nutrition a lot with people all the time and, and exercise, but I love that burst that you mentioned. It's, it does, it does many goods. It's really, really good, Paul says, but man, having a connection and a foundation in God or love, it does all of it. You know, we can try to tweak, you know, sometimes maybe a diagnosis has come or different things are happening in our aging bodies. And we try to kind of get on the inside of how our organs work or how our systems function together. And we try to support them with whatever we, we choose. And, and all that's good. All that's good stuff. And that's the Lord that makes it all work together. It's the, it's the Lord. And I was noticing as you were talking about worship and, uh, and and allowing us to see that it can be interpersonal as well as you know vertical or within us as we know that the lord is within us um i'm just curious about 
you did not say worship Jesus. And that's really where I wanted to get to. And so that's what, yeah, I realized as, as you were saying that, as, as I stopped, I'm like going back to the original question. So um, <clears throat> I definitely do. And the reason is because um, there is no other name given in heaven and earth by which men must be saved. There is, um, uh, for it is Jesus Christ who has um, come to show us the father. He came and showed us how far agape serves all the way to, to not just death, but a suffering death. He, he took all of the things that we, all the words and all of the judgments that all men for all time have placed upon every other man and took them all upon himself to say, I will serve even that. I will not only just wash dung from your feet, but I will, I will um, wash you with even saying, if that's what it takes to prove to you how far I'm willing to go, that it takes death, I will do that. The thing is, it, it, because of who I am, it won't permanently keep me down. <laughs> but he, he, he did even that. And so that is one of the things that when they came together, when they worshipped, um, they were worshiping and extolling Jesus because he is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the one who came. He's the one who is seated at the right hand of the father, ever interceding for us. He is um, the one who uh, came again, as I said, to reveal the father. That was massive. Without that, there, there was, there's, there would be no hope for mankind. That was the end of men and us thinking that we and ourselves were good when we saw what the man God, the way that one was able to love, that one loved even enemies mm. unto death, was willing to die for enemies. Because as Jesus said, greater love hath no man to this point than this, that he, he lays down his life for his neighbors. Mm. But then later he said, but, but uh, uh, it was written about him, but God showed his kind of agape goes way further than man's. He laid in, when he laid down his very life for his while all everyone had denied him, when everyone had betrayed him, when the whole of the world had lived apart from him and tried to live a, a their life in in a way that they were never designed to, without being one with God, with the Father, and so. That is like, well, how do you, I mean, sometimes when you're in a worship service, I've been in them where they go on and on because suddenly a spirit hits you that it's like you just begin to really see how beautiful what the things that Jesus has done in, for us. And so it's like, well, what else would we worship? Yeah. Um, but there actually are many other things but it is just one of the many beautiful things worship when you are in a true um spirit-led worship moment that you know i know you've been in many times and i've been in many times in my life it is like why would i why do i ever do anything else yeah you just you're so you're so bathed and you feel so so loved you're basking in the love of god because there's something that happens when we do that because again it, it changes the whole 
way that we're thinking, the frequency of our thinking, and suddenly it's as if the heavens are open and we can see God. And and, and, he, and like Jesus said, when you see him, you will know that you are loved. You know, and Jesus you said that we, we that you I like don't touch me because I'm going to 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 my God and your God. You know, I mean, he was always like kind of pointing to the father. He was always pointing to the father. And he, even, said he never spoke about himself. the spirit, never spoke about himself. It's, it's again, it's a it's part of what agape does. It always lifts up others more than itself it never it says it never speaks of itself it never takes offense of anything anyone does if somebody does something harm against it it doesn't even consider it why because it only love love only loves and love only loves i think that other. you know so i think that's where, where i kind of take my cues from the way jesus talked about the father and about the father as as god while also um emptying himself of his of his deity of his rights um as we you know as we know but we he was always pointing to the father and saying to pray to the father and you know we don't see anyone praying to jesus um in those texts but we certainly see it's kind of what I'm edging up against uh, sure. with what people are, you know, when we kind of, you know, anybody has, everybody has a unique definition when they hear the word, like, what does it mean to worship? Well, you're going to obviously, even though we've described it here, you're going to have your own idea of what that means based on your own religious tradition and your religious upbringing and what that meant to you, you know, if that's something you do on a daily basis or on a once a week basis or something you do five times a day and is prayer and worship the same. Um, and does, you know, is it that we pray? I think there's this collaboration as we even see in the Trinity concept, there's this collaboration of relationship that it's not just one way or the other. I there are times when I am offering solace to somebody um and there have been times that I use the name of Jesus repetitively to someone who finds comfort because of that name and right. even I have been comforted with you know in my in my distress with someone with just a gentle touch and just saying the name of Jesus. Well, th because that matters to me, it means something right. to me. And even singing the name of Jesus matters to me, makes, you know, uh, like the old, some of the old choruses that we got from the seventies and the sixties of Jesus, Jesus, there's just something about that name. Um, and then right. goes on to describe that name and, and the, the beautiful names of the Lord. Um, but also the beautiful names of God mean something to me because they're in my childhood, because I know all the, those beautiful El Elyons and El Shaddai's and El, the Rofa and the, the, the banner and the, the wonder, the wonderful names of God. But you, you don't just stop there. I mean, you, <laughs> I remember there was a couple that I really loved. They would pray every morning together 
and uh, they were charismatic Catholics. So they were tongue talking Catholics. And uh, I remember they, I was early in my uh, re reformation of my faith. And I remember they, they said, we call, we call God, uh, we, we, we have a challenge for ourselves for 365 days straight for 365 days of the year, we wake up and we ascribe a new, a new adjective to God. We, we, we challenge ourselves to, to call God in our prayers, this new, this different way of approaching God every day. And I was fascinated by that as a really young person and, and just newly starting out of reforming my faith because I was like, there's only just a few names of God. There, there's no way you can come up with 365 ways to communicate about God. And now I think, well, why stop there? You know, that's just the beginning of, of um, understanding, you know, creator, sustainer, redeemer. Um, and the list just goes goes on. And you can even tell just in our own atmospheres talking about that. It just lifts the spirit. It lifts the mood. It lifts the the energy. But I just do not think personally. I am not. At one that would say I worship. Jesus, I do. I do feel like I do have a relationship of worshiping, worshiping the father and I do pray to the father, but I don't pray to Jesus. And that's just interesting. But the technical term of worship, like you're saying, I worship the ground he walks on and on this kind of stuff. Yes, absolutely. But that's where I think there this collaboration and relationship orientation kind of helps us. But I, I, for some reason, I just don't like it when people come up to me and assume that Jesus is my deity. Um, I just so I, I here's, have that. A, I've heard that I've heard that argument before, and this is immediately I had two different verses that popped into my head. One is Jesus said, um, "It's good that I go to the Father because I'm going to send you another, a Paraclete, another uh, Paraclete, just like me." And that there another is a word that means another of the exact same kind, because there's two different Greek words for another. One is another of a completely different nature. But this one, allos, is, is a, another of the exact same nature. And so that's what he said, another paraclete, which means Jesus was calling himself, by the way, a paraclete. <laughs> a, yeah. a, your attorney that's called alongside to introduce you to the father but he said when when he comes he will tell you all things about the father and remind you of everything that i said and so that is in one sense that means he is even though he said i don't speak about myself he didn't say it's because i'm not worth speaking about hey that's good well, he wouldn't have said, I'm going to send you the spirit and he will teach you about me. See, because it, 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 there's a proverb in the Old Testament that says, let a man not speak of himself, let another. Right, right. And see, that's where um, it means so much more. If someone speaks about themselves, we always think, well, that's not, there's no, where's the humility in that? Right. And so God is is very humble in that he says he doesn't even speak of himself. And he says he will the spirit will not speak of himself, but he will speak of the father and of me. 
So see, they speak, they, they, they remind us that we are, they are all worth worshiping. The second thing is when Jesus came and the Pharisees came at, at his last week, when he was the beginning of his being judged, at the, the Old Testament uh, um, week of Passover, it's an entire week. And there's things that are to be done every day of Passover. And it begins with, you know, before the and you're to remove leaven, which then it, then Paul said leaven is a type of sin, your tr- which again, harmartia, you're trusting in your own strength to get God to change his mind about you. Right. That's, that's what the, the, again, a definition of sin. Um, so leaven, that you know, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. It goes right back to sin is crouching, the sin offering. Something is in your mind that's trying to make you believe that you can make me change my mind about you. But my mind is made up and it's all love. Yeah. So that's the first thing they do. But throughout that week, they also they were to bring their lamb that was to be given as an offering so that the high priests could look at them for that week and make sure that they were without any spot or wrinkle. And so Jesus comes as the lamb coming in as the lamb to and is the lamb as all the way back was prophesied again bringing his son and, and abram in the hebrew when his son says dad I, I i'm here carrying the wood obviously i see that i'm carrying it and i you know i i see these other parts of the offering but where's the lamb and and abram in the hebrew it says god is providing himself as the lamb Mm -hmm. yeah when jesus said um abraham saw my day Mm -hmm. and he rejoiced in it he was seeing he got it he finally got it once he finally trusted and he finally got it through his his thick head oh this doesn't have anything to do with me bringing Mm -hmm. forth the son doesn't have anything to do with me if i look at me i judge the tree of the knowledge of good and evil but apart from Miname, apart from God, well, then I I can't do it. My wife can't do it. I can't do it. She's too old. She's barren. She's never had a child. I've never had any in, in, any offspring. So, um, I, but they were trying awful hard. I guarantee you they were sleeping together. Yeah. <laughs> they were doing all the things, but nothing was happening. Mm-hmm. The uh, the baby wasn't wasn't forthcoming. And but finally. They said, um, God came and he goes, okay, time's up. You've had your chance. You've seen, you tried in all your might and all your strength with your old bodies and nothing happened. But now I'm telling you this time next year, I'm going to visit you again and you're going to have a baby. And it says it in the other room, Sarah laughed. Mm-hmm. And then and it, the inside joke is, is that then she called her first son and, he, and it says in his name meant laughter mm-hmm. because she was like, I'm going to call him. The fulfillment of what the funny thing is, she's like, I'm able to even laugh at my reaction. I laughed at God thinking, oh, yeah, now it's going to happen. He's like almost 100. I'm like 80. Oh, yeah, now it's going to happen. Sure. And it will be from your own, you and Sarah, it will be from your, each of your own loins. Not, not, you're not going to be needing to, to some, you know, side uh, help here. And, uh, um, I'm tr- sorry. I'm trying to remember why I was going there. This all has to do with worshiping Jesus. Oh, yeah. so they, they bring the lamb. 
the, the lambs were to come in. They were to test the lamb. And as Jesus is coming in, the children, because see, they would have been, what they were supposed to be doing was walking in with lambs and they were to be, and because these lambs are taking away their sin, but Caiaphas had screwed it all up, of course, and said, yeah, none of yours are, I guarantee you, we're not going to say any of yours are kosher, but we just happen to have some kosher ones that we've, we've, we've been raising special that you can buy from us. So you're guaranteed, you bring your money, we have guaranteed pre-approved sheep. And so Jesus was walking and he was actually the only one. There were no other sheep because Caiaphas had made a whole business out of it. That's another reason why he pushed the animals out because he's like, you've turned this whole thing on its head. It was supposed to be something beautiful and symbolic. And they were to bring this lamb into their home so that they would become one with it. And you've made it this sterile thing where you thought it was all about just having to nitpick these, 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 these sheep. And you'd find, you'd always find flaws. And um, so that you had to, they had to purchase them from you. And so you've turned this whole thing into a money-making scheme for you. And it's horrible. Compounded it with the money changers and the whole thing. Um, so, but but then Jesus, the, the, the children are, are saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And it says that they were casting down um, their clothes and their, and branches, Jesus. Well, see, this is in recognition that they're going, um, we're worshiping you as the Messiah. We're worshiping you as the sent one, the anointed one, the one who is covered in the grace and the, the Holy Spirit of God. And the, 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 the Pharisees were really outraged. They're like, you, they are worshiping you and you are allowing it. And Jesus said, well, they're doing it because it's fulfilling scripture that out of the mouth of babes shall come forth the praises and worship of the Lord. And so Jesus there is saying, he sanctioned worshiping of Jesus because he allowed, He said this uh, in order to fulfill. So there was worship of Jesus while he was still on the earth. And he said, that's God, that's by design. God designed it that way. You need to be worshiping me. He didn't say it overtly that way but that's what he said that's as close as jesus ever got to to saying i am worthy of worship because he in, in, in my opinion the way that you look at that passage and you look at all the all the types of shadows and the scripture that he's referencing from hosea and that is exactly what it's talking about it is talking about worshiping and um that's what they were doing that's what he was being accused of being worshiped and they said you know that and he's like Sorry, but I'm not even the one who set that up. God did. So God is allowed to say that I'm worth to I'm I'm worthy. I won't say it of myself, but God already did. So deal with it. Hmm. Yeah, I guess so it, that's why I worship Jesus. It's really uh I, I think it's really a dance uh relationally for me in my in the way that I view it. I think that I I can really see that the way you know, we, we, I mean, you know, what do you do then the Holy spirit, you know, the, the Holy spirit, the same, the same kind as, as Jesus, the spirit of the Lord. And I, I think that there is just a, a synergy, a collaboration, a relationship that cannot be summed up in either or, or black and white. And it is, I think, I think it's, it's a reconstructing of what worship means 
and and right well so expansion expanding of it because the scripture also says that god worships us he dances over us with joy and that is a that is an act of worship we just think it is as something that is so again these words holy that it's it's for god alone for the father alone but see that's why jesus said you need to see we're all one so if you're going to work the Father, you're also worshiping me. You're also worshiping the Holy Spirit. And there are songs, there have been worship songs for thousands of years, worshiping Jesus, worshiping the Spirit, and worshiping the Father, and rightly so. Yeah. Now I've got my good buddy who has his, he calls it throne room worship. Right. And uh, uh, Chris, and um, Chris Stewart, amazing. If you haven't heard him, go listen. He's on Spotify and look up Chris, Chris Stewart worship. His, one of his albums is called Awe. If you find that one, the Chris, because there's a couple of Chris Stewart's on Spotify, find the Chris Stewart who has an album named Awe, A-W-E. And his, a lot of his music, he calls it throne room worship because it's actually the father singing to us. Mm. It's the words of the father yeah. when he says he sings over us. Well, these are, it's like the Holy Spirit has given him insight and given him language to, to, to articulate the kinds of thoughts that the father has towards us, his children. And that's what these songs are, is the father actually pouring out, as it says, you know, that Jesus washes us with the water of the word. Well, that's what this is. Only it's the father directly sometimes dancing over us, worship, you know, um, worth, worshiping us, telling us and extolling us. Why, again, as David said, you worship me. What is man that you are in awe of him? That's, that's worship. It's your why why do you worship us? We're just these little specks here. We don't get I don't get it. You gotta fill me in. Open my let me see what we are because why do you worship us? Yeah, and I why are you so intrigued? Why am I the apple of your eye? He used all kinds of terms to say how God was fascinated and obsessed with us. And he is. It's why he created he, he never created a universe that we know of. When he might have created other universes, but when he created this one, it was with us solely in mind. That's what the scripture says. It sounds a little um, over the top, but, you know, I don't think that it's that it really is satisfying to consider a being that just creates and then walks away. It creates and lets it go. But I, right. I think that it's the being is is love is is love, love, self and is excited even and energized when it is loved back when when the love right. is is reciprocal and it i often in our songs or in our um phrases our texts i can hear god's singing or speaking it back to me um, absolutely i feel that a lot in in our community, in our assemblies, and just in our, um, even in just our own. So I, I definitely hear what you're saying. I want people to be um, more, I think in, in edu- maybe educated is the right word, about what they are doing when they pray in the name of Jesus or speak the name of Jesus and what that and how that is not just a magic t- coin, but right. it is a, is a position 
to, I, right to pray in someone's name that phrase to pray in someone's name is like it's like it is like when a um a judge would be sent out to the city to to uh like an appellate court we have we have appellate courts well back in the day in jesus's day and for thousands of years the appellate system went to the towns because the people couldn't go to a big city so the appellate judges, if the local magistrates, the local elders that sat at the city gate, that's where all the judgments were done. If you had a dispute with your neighbor and you're like, well, this is where our, I think the fence line is. It's, and, and then look, this, look at this old document. It says from here to here and from here to here. And this guy's now over in my, he's got his sheep in my part of the country. And um, so they'd go to the elders and they would look up, they kept the records and they'd go back and they'd look and they'd go, yeah, we have the record here. This is Well, if they ever came to something that they couldn't decide, it seemed like they couldn't figure this dispute, then they would call for these, el these higher elders and they would come. And like part of that is when you hear about the judges, the judges in, in the book of judges, they would, they were these people who came and they had a little closer ear uh, to God. And so they were when they were judging, they were it was said that they were judging based on um, having the ear of God and, and hearing God's voice and, and hearing his intentions in these disputes. Um, well, to, to when in, in, in these instances, again, there's literally all these records where they talk about it, like Herod. And when Herod was getting older, he had sons and he had raised up these sons and they understood the law and they would they were now when, when he was normally going to the smaller villages to be the highest form of appellations where you could you know keep moving to higher higher judgment because you were unsatisfied you didn't believe that you still had a good case and that you've been given something that was equitable for you that it was it was fair and you thought it was a good judgment you could keep appealing to a higher court and the highest court, the high, which again, a court is just a room in which a judge presides and each side gets to present their case. And the highest was then uh, many times in, in Israel was Herod. And so then um, I had these, these sons and they would send, he would send his sons out when he began to get older because these boys were very well trained and they'd come and two interesting phrases were in these Greek documents because I've, I've read them, I, you know, and one of them, they, they would, this guy sent and he said, it is beautiful. You sent anti, anti Herod, your son, the anti Herod, hmm. because again, we keep thinking of anti as being against, but the word anti in Greek does not mean against the antichrist isn't against Jesus. The Antichrist doesn't speak against God. The word anti means one who sits in the place of. So when it said anti-Herod came, your son came and anti-Herod as anti-Herod, meaning the highest judge was Herod at the time. So he went, he came in your stead as the anti-Herod, the one who sat in the place of Herod. And when he spoke, he spoke, it was, the judgments were as if you were here. He spoke in your name. Hmm. So to speak in the name of Jesus means to speak with the same character, nature, force, and judgment 
as that of Jesus. And Jesus said, I am God. I speak in the place of the Father. So when you're hearing me, you are hearing the Father. So I'm speaking in the name of the Father. So when somebody says, I speak in the name of Jesus, uh, well, only I, I, that's why it says, judge every word that comes forth from people who speak in the name of Jesus. Why? To see if it lines up with what Jesus said. If what they're saying is, well, and what I say is, you're in sin, God doesn't love you because you did this thing and God is judging you. It's like, nope, sorry, that's not in the name of Jesus. Because Jesus said, no, all your sins, I'm coming to take away your sins. The Father um, isn't holding your sins against you. He's not sitting there waiting to pounce judgment on you. He sees you as me. So unless somebody is saying that, they are not speaking in the name of Jesus. So yeah. that whole thing about in the name of Jesus, people have completely misunderstood it and have done exactly like you said. They just tack it on at the end and whatever they've said, they're like, and now I'm putting this on it. So now I know it's going to happen because I put the magic wand, I put the magic seal, I put the wax in, and I'm putting my imprint. And, woo! God's going to, he has to do it for me. I mean, I've <laughs> literally heard messages where a preacher said that. I said it in the name of Jesus. So God has to do it for me now. It's like, well, you totally misunderstand. You are so twisting that from what it means that oh, I'm dear. sorry, but that's wrong. Well, I think that's the uh, kind of what I was wanting to pry open right there. Um, was that exact that exact sentiment is just really helping people see that unless you're speaking in the nature of and in alignment with and in the ethic of and as they would in their place, it, you in the place of that is just right. an interesting notion because you could be speaking words like we are like right now and without even using the explicit explicit phrase in the name of jesus but we're speaking your worth and your the opinion of god over you well i'm automatically speaking the name of jesus i'm exohomologating exactly right and by the way just to finish up on that one that the antichrist i'm not saying that when the Bible talks about the Antichrist, or as Jesus said it, the spirit of Antichrist, who is here now? Jesus said that, and people miss that. He's here now. I mean, it's here now. Um, it is It is a false Antichrist. It is one who claims to be speaking in the name of Jesus, but is nothing like Jesus. There is is a pretender Antichrist, one who says and that they are they are there representing in the in the stead of jesus but G, but but um but they do not represent the father because what they say doesn't doesn't line up with what jesus said there, there's so a, a lot false. there's a lot of people doing that right now and what i think i'm hearing you say is you know in some of those same circles they're trying to pinpoint who the one antichrist is going to be that rises up out of the something something sea and country right. They're trying to he's already it. been here. He was here in Jesus' day, and, he's, and it's been growing. Just as Jesus' kingdom is growing, the Antichrist kingdom has been growing. And oh, I have. And a, I won't go into it here, but I have a few. <laughs> I have very different belief about where, and again, it's it's widespread. It's very prolific because there's well, so like many that claim to be leaven. speaking in the name. It's Jesus, like leaven, right? 
It's like leaven. It's like leaven, right. right? It's like yeast. And it and it leavens a whole lot. And I happen to have, oh, about four antichrists in my own family. I, I hope y'all right. are listening. But <laughs> yeah. I have they, and that, they, but see, here is where Jesus, when it we talked about it again, we, we won't go into this, <laughs> but but when it talks about the, the wheat and the tares, yeah, that's actually what Jesus was talking about. The tares are those that are of the spirit of Antichrist. They say that and it looks just like the wheat, yeah. but uh, as Jesus said, just like with the Pharisees, they were a type of the of the Antichrist. They, that's when he was saying that the, the spirit's already here. It's all around us. I mean, hello, Pharisees, you're out there. Sadducees, you listening? Because I'm talking to you. You know I'm talking about you. That's why he pointed to them all the time. Because he said, you look good on the outside, but inside you're dead men's bones. You are, your carcasses, you're, you're smelly because you're alive. You're not alive to the father. You do not have the love of the father the agape of the father that is serving all mankind inside you, but it's not your fault either. That's why he said, father, forgive them because they know not what they do. It's not their fault. Adam made them all his children. When he said, I'm going to, I'm going to live life and I'm going to see everything, but I'm not going to see God as the source behind it all. And I'm not going to live with me, one with the father and he's the root. And I'm the tree that the world sees. I'm the above. And he's the beneath. He's the behind, the force behind. I want to do it all on my own. I was thinking about all of this, you know, since last week, talking about the agape. And, you know, even though, even though, you know, we have had made a claim, you had made a claim, like I'm going to present these this evidence to you that got the word agape was used extra biblically before, you know, Paul coined it in his letters. And then my understanding is we, it was like, it was there and then it wasn't there. And it was, you know, it was easy to, I don't have my proof yet. I don't have my proof. Have proof. Yeah. But, but I think that, that where we can, even though there's not this proof, there is this proof in the storytelling of the of the creation and of the of the deity really serving yeah. us absolutely all I mean, throughout that's that's really and especially in, all throughout it yeah i mean it's all right. i mean i mean how far down do you have to go to wash someone's dirty you know camel dung covered feet the lowest job in the house normally for the youngest child because nobody else wanted to do it. And Jesus is like, I will do that. That's what that's what agape does. It gets down in the, the mess and it cleans that. And it, while I'm doing it, reminding you, I mm. know you think you smell, but it's not you. Mm. It's the world you're living in. The world that is still contaminated with the all the sons of, the, of darkness, the sons of Adam, the sons of the night. Again, as Genesis said, he created the moon for the night. Mm. And that is Adam, the one who is not God, but looks like a God, but he's only a reflection of God. And, and mm. in the time of Adam, you see, we see all these stars. You see it. Everybody's a star. Everybody's a star. You see him everywhere because the, the light is so dim. Jesus mm. When it says, but he created the son, Jesus. And again, it's, I'm not just saying that it's a double entendre, that word, but it is a type and shadow. When he said he created the son to rule the day, 
And Jesus said, now it's the time for the day. And here's, I am the son of God come to be. And they the would have heard son, that. The light. They would have heard that. And it, they would have hearkened back to those scriptures and go, oh. oh absolutely. Absolutely. They, they yeah. would have gotten it. We still don't. The church still doesn't get it. That again, Jesus said, the whole of scripture all points to me. I mean, everything. It's not a science book. When it says, and that's why it said that the night is, the day starts with night. See, it starts with night. The, the Hebrew, that's part of why we have to understand the Hebrew mindset when we're going to scripture, because the Hebrew, that's one of the types of the, the way to un interpret the, the types and shadows is you have to remember that a day there isn't like our day. We start our day when the sun comes up and then it ends when the sun goes down and then we have the night and then it starts. Again. No. Hebrew is the other way around. It starts with night. Mm. Be why? Because that's how the Bible says it starts. It starts in darkness. It starts in chaos. It starts when when the, the lesser light to rule the night, that's Adam. He's the God of this world. The one who God said, I give you dominion and authority for this time, mm. the time of darkness. Because he knew what was coming. I read something. <laughs> I read something so beautiful um, this uh, last week that I want to insert here. And about the darkness and the light, it is the light that that the sun is ruling. And and yet the darkness, I, I just think it's good to note that we're not afraid of the darkness, that it's not that there's an absence of of God or an absence of love in the night. I think it's beautiful that the Hebrew mind would see that the that the night is the beginning of the day and this their ability i think in judaism as a whole the ability to to hold dark and light together in the same space and even the the psalmist that says even the night is light to you it's like light to you. it's a i think also just interesting that we try to sanitize suffering from our Christian experience these days, especially, and w we don't get to do that. <laughs> we don't get to do that. It, there's a wholeness in the suffering and the relief, the joy and the sorrow, the pain, and we have to discern, you know, where and how these things are coming together and who they're coming from. But I think that there's just this thing by um this beautiful i'll have to read just a couple of sentences before it but i'm reading a commentary by katie gibbons kime i don't know who that is but it was a commentary on the psalms 40 145 that i ministered on last week and i'm jumping in the middle of her commentary on it but she says chances are great that at least one creature listening on Sunday morning hungers to know how exactly God promises to help with our deepest shadows. God does not obliterate the shadow side of our lives and ourselves. Rather, Walter Brueggemann suggests the darkness itself is strangely transformed, not by the power of easy light, but by the power of relentless solidarity. The power of relentless solidarity um that the one that is within us and upholds us and supports us with integrity from the inside walks through the night with us and the night and the day 
are with relentless solidarity. Yeah. I love that so much. And And that's what church is supposed to be for each other too. relentless solidarity. Again, solidarity, solidaris, you know, that's um, us together, recognizing we're all in this together. When one has and one doesn't, then there's a sharing again, like the mycelium. Um, that's what the kingdom of God is. It's like it is that mycelium that causes all to be and interconnected. I'm, you know, even when it's night here in Tulsa, the sun is shining brightly somewhere else. The sun is shining right. brightly and on, you know, seven, eight hours away. You know, it's it, it's a picture for us to see that we might be even in different times even within our own soul there might be a night happening within us where we can't see it fully we cannot see it clearly but there is still the solidarity of god but there may be a sun shining brightly in another slice of our soul that's like got that you know i feel like i'm in peace on that and even just as beautifully just like we know now that we all can even communicate worldwide, we know that there are people literally living in the day right now. And so if we are sensing, again, metaphorically, if I'm feeling like I'm in the dark, I know there's some of my brothers and sisters that I can call because I can say, are you living in the light right now? Yes, I'm yeah. strong in the light right now. It's daytime in, in my life. Well, I need I need you. I need your, I need you to exhort me. I am feeling weak in my exhortation, self-exhortation right now. And sometimes, you know, I, I've, I've tried to always keep myself strong in that. And usually I am able to exhort myself out of a hole, but sometimes not. There's been, I mean, I've called you multiple times. So you are, you can bear witness to this. Um, when I'm like, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I am not able to, it's darkness. I'm in the dark night of my soul right now. And I need you in your even if you might be, then the spirit uh, um, uh, comes within you, is strengthened within you, and the grace that carries in you then mm-hmm. is able to wash me and exhort me. And so that's what, um, because it's daytime for you, or at least God's going to make it daytime. Right. Even sometimes, right. sometimes what's crazy is we and you and I both experience this as as yeah. people like this, who people call us, and sometimes I'm like when they first call and I'm like, Oh, I'm not ready for this. But inside the Holy Spirit says, yes, you are. I'm right here. And I know you feel like crap right now. And and what they're telling you is nothing compared to even what you're going through, but it's <laughs> something for them and they need you. And I'm yeah. here and you, I'm here through you for them. And I'm like, I'm all in. When so, we, it, I just like the first part of that scripture in Romans eight, when we know not, <laughs> when we know not, and it just, the spirit takes hold, takes the the lead and will start to water as we water. We start to just go out in faith and to start to speak by faith. I just, I love it. I love this other direction of here. We did not get even where we wanted to go today. No, nor did you get, we even get to your second point, which just remind me just real quickly. I mean, I know we don't have time because we're probably way over, but what was your second question? Your second thought? No, we did. Get to it. We did get to worshiping it. Jesus. Worshiping Jesus. And then the, uh, in the name of Jesus as a magic 
as a magic. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. I forgot so that's I think, what it was. Oh, good. So we actually covered both of them. I think we yeah, covered both of them. I just thought we would do it a little faster, but I should have known that worship would have opened up a lot to talk about. But I think we just barely scratched the surface on that from what I, you know, would love to talk about. But I think it was at least a good, you know, general opening of no, I think it was. And I I appreciated how just the um what what I love about these conversations is it can be an information exchange and it can be in a sense somewhat scholarly approach to some of the text, but then it it really does turn into an experience it can be an, an experience as well it's the praxis of of this um it's not just theology it's not just theology talk about the but it is the deity working within us and, that's right we believe that god is the spirit herself is speaking through us as we are communicating with each other and it's yeah. filling out on everybody that's listening Yes. And so we hope you enjoyed today and um, may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus until we talk again.